This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Richard Connison, joined by... It's me, Richard Bradbury. Always a surprise, Rich. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> a little bit of a gloomy day here in Kuala Lumpur. It is 12.05pm, the 20th of September. And every time I read out the date, Rich, I can't help but feel a sense of dread because... We're already coming to the end of September. It's happened. It feels like it's happened so fast this year. How did 20 days pass? I know. I was speaking to my aunt, actually, just yesterday, and she was she was telling me, you know, it, it's so nice that we're just coming to the end of August. And I'm like, no, we're, we're not. We're halfway through September. And I'm starting to get some palpitations because, no, as, as you would know, I'm planning a wedding. Uh-huh. And uh, it's now. How far away <laughs> is it now? I'd rather not say it. (laughs) But, you know, on to serious business. I mean, wedding planning is serious business, but on to more serious business. Um, We got some interesting news, right? So Vertex Ventures Southeast Asia and India Mm. has completed the fundraising for its fifth round. So a fifth fund, sorry, that's fund five. And they got commitments of over about around 541 million US mm. dollars. This is a half a billion dollars right there. The fund 5 is 80% larger than Fund 4, which they raised over in 2019. So uh, Vertex Ventures, uh, an early stage VC uh, that is uh, sector agnostic and focused on Southeast Asia and India. Uh, in particular, they seem to have a focus on the digital economy in Southeast Asia and India, which they say is driven by the rise of the consumer class, the acceleration of access to tech-enabled digital financial services, the digitalization of small businesses and the continuous improvement of infrastructure to help support these needs. But ultimately, like most VCs, uh, they back startups that they believe in. Yeah, some of the companies they've invested in include used two-wheeler e-marketplace Beepcart uh, from India, uh, Malaysia's very own uh, store hub, yeah. uh, which is an all-in-one uh, point-of-sales uh, point systems. Uh, system, as well as Singapore headquartered cross-border payments company, uh, Neum. So quite a few familiar names here, but obviously these are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to their portfolio. Uh, Fund 5 will continue this team investing in high-growth startups, seeking their early round of institutional mm-hmm. funding in Southeast Asia and India. Primary focuses will be Singapore, India, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, of course, Malaysia, and other emerging hubs in and across the region. Uh, and some of the areas they'll be focusing on includes enterprise technology, fintech, consumer internet, digital health, sustainability, of course, as well as mobility. All very important themes as we look towards the future. If you have any thoughts over the startup ecosystem, areas that we should be focusing on, or if you have any questions in terms of where Vertex is going with their own fundraising or the funds deployed, you can get in touch with us over on WhatsApp. Our U-Mobile number is 0187 899 But now, uh, to learn more about Fund 5, how the 541 million USD could be deployed, and for Vertex Ventures' view on Southeast Asia and the Malaysian startup landscape, we're speaking today with Carmen Yuan. She's the general partner at Vertex Ventures Southeast Asia and India. Uh, Carmen, welcome to the show. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yes. Hi, Roshan. Thank you so much for having me. I can hear you loud and clear. And thanks for the great introduction to our fun. Brilliant. Uh, Carmen, you are joining us remotely. Where are you based right now? Um, so, so I'm based in Singapore. So I'm actually sitting in the heart of town, Raffles City Shopping Centre area, if people are familiar with Singapore. Mm-hmm. That's an awful lot of money to have in your hands, Carmen. How do you feel about that? <laughs> great. I think the work has just begun. So we will likely have to start looking for great companies, wonderful founders for us to work with, lots of conversations with even the ecosystem players. Yeah, great. I mean, let's let's get into it then, right? So could you give us a little bit more context? I gave a, We gave a bit of an introduction earlier, but could you provide more context? 
context around the sectors or industry that Fund 5 in particular will be focused on? Yes, sure, for sure. So since we started, um, so this is way back in about 2010, our investment mandate remains unchanged. So we are an early stage investors and we invest in the seed round, Series A and Series B. It's pretty interesting because uh, some of the Malaysian founders that we spoke to thought we were late stage investors. So mm. I just want to put it out there that we are seed, Series A and Series B. Now, in terms of sectors, we have expanded our sectors of focus as we started noticing some emerging trends. Um, we started with the consumer internet economy. Um, then we had the enterprise solutions, fintech, and in Fund4, we added on digital health, agri-tech and sustainability, and most recently, mobility. So for Fund5, I think our hands are full. We'll focus <laughs> on the six sectors. Yeah, and on, on why, I mean, I can go into the whys we have chosen on some of this, um, the sectors. Happy to elaborate. Let me know. Yeah, please do. Okay, so so on the consumer economy, thanks for that. On the e consumer economy, ASEAN is actually the world's fifth largest economy. I'm sure we all know that. Mm -hmm. And we are probably very proud after China, US, Japan and Germany. And we have a very large yet very young population. Mm -hmm. Our median age is only about 32. So Philippines is extremely young for that matter. Mm -hmm. And many of them have, uh, many of our young population have the aspiration to get good jobs. Hence, they want to step up into the middle class. And such a trajectory actually spells a lot of opportunities in the consumer economy. So this will range from how the youth will consume things like education, skills training, how they choose to eat. Is it just merely basic food? Is it functional? Is it health conscious options? How they entertain? Do they just merely do live stream? Do they believe in live concerts? Um, Taylor Swift is one example that yes, they do believe in that. Uh, and then of course, you've got the way they travel and way more. So consumer economy remains a very hot sector for us to look at. On the enterprise solutions or what we call software as a service, um, more than 75% of our economy is made up of small, medium enterprises. Yeah. And the rest are the large guys. For the large guys, when they started, they were once small, they were once nimble. But as they grow, they started building loads of inefficiencies. So the companies we invest in seek to address some of these inefficiencies by providing enterprises with the tools to enable them or to enable their staff to be more productive and to have better visibility to different aspects of the operations. So we help them to save money. Mm -hmm. For SMEs, COVID actually gave all of them a wake-up call on why they need to digitalize. And there's still a lot of room for them to learn to adopt technology. So again, the companies we back, example, StoreHub, they look to serve this big market need of uh, SMEs. Then we also saw the democratization um, in the access to financial opportunities. So from building fintech rails to providing productive loans to consolidating, streamlining financial operations, opportunities abound. Not to mention that fintech also touches many of us many times of the day, mm. just like WhatsApp. Mm. However, what used to be traditional and was once uh, uh, old school is now moved to digital and has also been democratized. Wealth tech used to be only for the rich and famous, the high net worth. But now we can also have access to wealth tech management uh, products, even on wallets like Grab Invest. Mm -hmm. Then on healthcare, we know the three major chronic issues economies will face. They are the cancer issues, uh, cardiac issues, and dementia. And as our region improves economically, these healthcare issues will follow us very closely and they will challenge us in tandem. So how can technology improve our health span, not just merely lifespan? They will cause us to desire uh, also how to take ownership of our own health 
And as, at the same time, what are some of the innovations we can adopt in the early stage uh, to bring about significant transformation, even in the healthcare arena? Then the other thing we looked at is in the femtech space. Women choose to start families later. Women want to take charge of their life. So what are some of these concerns that technology can solve? So I will wrap up with uh, agri-tech sustainability and mobility. We do have many small footprint farmers and farming is necessary because it provides the food we eat. Mm -hmm. But farming is super backbreaking. Mm -hmm. Farmers are getting older and older. So what can we do to ensure that the future of sustainable farming and food is maintained? Is it just merely about novel food or is it how food is grown? Then the climate tech piece uh, is how do we sieve uh, through uh, so that we can move from fat to what is being sustainable and habit changing. And on mobility is tied to consumer, right? Our aspiration to decide when we want to travel on our schedule, on our time, in the way we want. Um, so, and, and going forward, the, the youth will also be looking at options that are less environmentally damaging. Mm. So, mm. so we think that these are all very interesting options uh, or, or opportunities that we have um, at hand. Well, some very comprehensive stuff, some really interesting uh, places that you're looking at, uh, for sure. But I, I do want to touch on something uh, you, you kind of briefly mentioned, uh, Carmen. But the Fund Corpus also includes a, a dedicated co-investment uh, envelope of 50 uh, million US dollars for co-investing in startups led by women founders. Can you talk us through the, the rationale behind this co-investment envelope or parallel fund? Mm, yes, yes. So um, we we call it the envelope, like what you correctly said. Mm. Uh, and we will tap into this fund whenever there is a female uh, co-founder or founder. Right. So, But the way we, we have chosen to do it is that all investment decisions will still be carried out at the main fund level. So the investment committee of the main fund uh, will have to make the decision. Mm -hmm. But in the event that the main fund decides to invest into a startup and there is actually a female founder, minimally, we will then tap into this envelope to draw an additional capital. And this will be based on some ratio. So for a start, we, we decide to use like maybe three is to one, three dollars from the main fund and one from this woman fund. Mm. And this ratio will be reviewed over time, depending on how quickly or slowly we are deploying the fund. Um, and so just to give you a rationale of why this fund uh, was even started, right? So we believe in investing into the best founders, regardless of gender. And I joined the firm since 2014. And I noted that this is the case. We have always been investing in the best founders. And we started backing women founders even before it was in fashion. <laughs> so in our most recent fund, uh, we have more than 30% of our founders being female. So our LPs have noticed that since early on, we started investing to some women founders and we have done a lot, a lot more. Mm -hmm. So they felt that, hey, maybe it would be apt to allocate like $15 million for us just to focus on female founders. And we share with them our model, which is that the main fund will make the decision. And then when there's a female founder, then we'll draw on a certain ratio. So they thought our explanation was very reasonable. And so that's why they are very, very supportive. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, uh, so a lot of that also touched on the investment decisions, right? So following up on that, uh, talk to us about the strategies that uh, you've put in place to identify promising startups in Southeast mm. Asia and India that will fit the that will fit into the fund's mandate. Yes. Yes. So, so we do look to invest in um, market and segment leading companies in our regions. Um, and, uh, and to get this outcome, there are some key traits that we will definitely have to focus on, right? So our heat rate, unfortunately, is less than 1%. Mm. So this means to say that we will have to interact with more than 2,000 companies. 
and we may invest in about 12, 13, 14 of them. So how do we find them? Um, it's like finding diamond in the rough or sticking needle in the haystack. So it, it spells hard work, lots of caffeine, lots of food, hard work. And then after that, we have to exercise, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we, we believe in having chemistry and relationship with uh, the founders um, and also that the founders have to see value in working with us. Mm. So some of the people who have worked with us know that we are not the easiest founders. We don't just merely invest and we disappear and we turn up at annual general meetings. Uh, we don't. We are actually active investors and this sets us apart. So we speak very regularly with our founders, sometimes even on a weekly basis. If there's more trouble, then it's like every day, right? So we hope not to speak to them every day. Um, and we do expect and we tell them we expect monthly financials. So we will sort of like use a stick and carrot me method to get them into shape. Some of them needs a little bit more time, but this is our expectation. We work with our founders very closely uh, and we work them hard, uh, especially if they slip timelines. So our founders have actually aged faster when they work with us. Uh, I've seen young men looking way older than me after we have invested. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were we were going to ask you, you know, how involved you get, but you kind of just answered that. You're, Pretty much. you're making people older before their time, but but in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. So we hope that they will use some of the other D 2 C products that we invest in as well, right? So make supportive. Smart. <laughs> Creating a little bit of an ecosystem there itself, Carmen. Um, earlier, you, you mentioned the one percent hit rate, and you know. Earlier on, we talked about some of your, your portfolio companies, including uh, Neum. Uh, there's also Storehub as well, as well as uh, Beepcart. Uh, are there any other success stories that you can highlight to give us a sense for um, Vertex investment strategy and how that's succeeded? Yes, yes. I'll be happy to share with you one that is very close to your heart. Uh, it's formerly known as My Taxi and now known as Grab, uh -huh. right? <laughs> uh, and, and, and I've got another. Actually, we have invested into five wonderful Malaysian founders, but I'll just highlight maybe one or two of them. So, so for Grab, uh, when we first met Anthony, he came across as somebody who's smart. He's from Harvard, right? And uh, he's inquisitive, but he has the ability to listen. So the humility to listen despite where he is. Mm. I think that's what sets him apart. Um, he fits into our vision of finding outlier founders. Um, very driven. He was uh, taking budget airlines for quite a while, walking around with a pillow to support his lower back. So, so even though he is who he is, startup, startup lifestyle, right? Yeah. So I love that. And uh, Grab started as a my taxi in Malaysia, but eventually they outran their global competitors. We saw the opportunity in the space, and so we were the first institutional investor in the company. And when I joined, it was shortly after uh, we invested, and I keep seeing this man in green walking around the office. <laughs> you know who that is, right? And so we worked very closely with him on building out the team in Singapore, in speaking to regulators, making sure that our taxi companies know that uh, Grab is not there to take market share, but to work with uh, the, the taxi companies to ensure that the consumers at large can actually enjoy a better commuting experience. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so that's how we work um, with Grab. Then on PetSnap, it is a lesser known company because it is not a consumer-facing company. It is more of a B2B company that's focusing on business intelligence, on this thing called the intellectual property uh, area where most companies in Southeast Asia don't really care about. So similarly for PetSnap, um, the, founder, the founder himself is from Sabah. He's extremely driven, very focused on making sure the, the, the proposition is, is executed well. 
And uh, one of the key criteria that we need to to fulfill uh, is that we need to know we can actually help this company. And um, over the years, uh, PestNap has spoken to us many times. Whenever there's any decision, any challenges, we are one of the first people that they will get on call with us. And this is despite them having raised a lot more money and they are now a unicorn and they operate uh, at a global level. So whenever Jeffrey is back in town, he will make time to catch up with us. So <laughs> that speaks about how we drive him hard, but yeah, we're still, <laughs> it's a first number to dial on. <laughs> yeah. All right, Carmen, we got to go into a few messages, but we will be back yeah. in just a bit. So don't run away just yet. Uh, folks, uh, on the back of early stage venture capital firm Vertex Ventures, Southeast Asia and India, closing their fundraising round for their Fund 5, we've been speaking with their general partner, Carmen Yuan, on how the $541 million could be deployed, as well as what they're watching in the region and how they're going to be finding a balance between deploying funds quickly, yet ensuring the quality of deals. Keep it... Uh, We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to Enterprise Biz Bytes on BFM 89.9. Brave, free, Malaysia. BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey folks, welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanesan, joined in the studio by Richard Bradbury as the rain has just come down around us. Uh, today, we're speaking to early stage venture capital firm Vertex Ventures Southeast Asia and India on the back of them completing their Fund 5, which, they, which, is, uh, which, where, which is where they've gotten commitments of $541 million that could be deployed in the region. Uh, we're speaking with their general partner, Kamen Yuan, on how these funds could be deployed, what they're watching in the region, as well as finding that right balance between deploying the funds while ensuring quality of the mm. deals. Uh, Carmen, thanks for sticking around with us. So with Fund 5, tell us a bit about the plans you have to put money to work here in Malaysia. Mm, for sure. Malaysia is one of our key countries, right, that we want to focus on uh, in, in Southeast Asia. And I mentioned that we have had five very good working relationships with five wonderful founders, from Malaysia. So yes, it is going to be our hunting ground. Um, and just last week, we were actually in Penang. We were attending the My Startup Next event organized by Cradle. So shout out to Ash and his team. It was great. We had fun. The food was good. The company was great. Um, Ash met us and he brought us to lunch. So he ate with his hands. I had fallen spoon. I'm not really. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no judgment here, Carmen. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. And um, so, so other than uh, Ash, we also speak a lot with Adlin from Endeavor. So mm -hmm. Adlin is also a hustler. I love the spirit of Malaysians. Um, Param and his team at uh, MathCap, mm -hmm. Casey mm -hmm. and her team and Kazana, as well as Dr. Siva with Scale Up Malaysia. Just to name a few of the folks that we will be uh, kachawing every time we go over to Malaysia. Um, they do know our commitment to be serious about Malaysia. Um, and so some of them have actually offered their office spaces for us to spend more time with their portfolio companies as well as uh, just to meet, just to be present and be ready for people to just drop by and catch up with us. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so earlier on, uh, Carmen, you, you spoke about um, some of the areas that you were looking at, you know, enterprise tech, fintech, consumer internet, digital health, sustainability, mobility. When it comes to looking at, at Malaysia, what do you see as the most promising startup areas uh, or promising sectors, I guess, here in Malaysia? You, you know, this is going to be very hard to tell. So, so I will... 
I'll continue to rattle off some more names, right? So in our portfolio companies, uh, just the Malaysian founders, we've got Grab, my taxi. So what is this? This is consumer, this is mobility. Mm. We've got StoreHub. What is this? It is between enterprise solution, fintech, SME enablement. Yeah. We have got RPG. What is this? This is a brand building company, multiple brands. And uh, we've got Sunday Insurance, although they operate in um, Thailand, mm. founded by Malaysian. This is a full stack digital insurer. And of course, we have got uh, PassNet, which is a B2B enterprise software company. So this is just the mix we have in our portfolio. But in Malaysia, you also have Kasim. What is that? That is a, 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 an auto uh, marketplace. You have got Property Guru, Aerodyne, Easy Parcel, Pop Mills. I mean, I can just go on the list. So, and these are great companies as well. So what it means is that actually Malaysia can have startups that become um, world world contenders regardless of which segment they choose to be in mm. so it's really how they define their moat how big is that problem statement that they want to address and then how do they build the team up to address the moat as well as to fix uh, the problems of their customers so so that that will be what i see um but personally i like things that are difficult right if not i wouldn't have chosen this life <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, one one where people, I like to do challenging stuff where people will say, no, not possible. Uh, how can it be possible that you have such a company? So that's why we invested into PetSnap. Mm. Nobody would have thought that a software as a service company can come out from Southeast Asia that provides global solution. Nobody. Nobody would have thought that uh, a company that will focus or that will waste time focusing on intellectual property, where the region doesn't really give two cents mm. to the space, mm. right? But yet, um, PetSnap has gotten fantastic logos. The logos such as the NASA and uh, in China, they have got uh, other uh, branded companies like Huawei. Those are all their users and more to be added to the platform. Mm. So, and, and as a result, because of their diehard spirit, the way they added in the correct team members, that's, that's how they are able to become the unicorn that they are right now. Yeah. They're dealing with some huge clients, PayPal, Dyson, the Dow. Yeah. Yes. You know, coming. you mentioned some names earlier. Uh, Ash from Cradle, of course, and my startup, uh, Lynn from Endeavor, Doc Siva, who is a friend of the show as well. So you're working closely with the early stage or at least the pre-seed uh, ecosystem here in Malaysia. Um, how, I mean, how closely do you work uh, with these folks uh, in terms of sourcing deals, for example? Could you share anything from that uh, on that front? Yes, so so we are going to be long-term squatters. With that. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Siva has been very gracious. He has been inviting us to speak on the different events that he organizes uh, by founders for founders. So that gives us the opportunity to interact with many of the uh, founders who are looking at fundraising at different junctures of their life. And we have also gone to visit some of them in their offices, have a lot more conversations. Um, but it doesn't mean that just because we see a lot, we will definitely invest a lot. We still need time to evaluate, to watch the companies and also for the founders to get to know us, to see whether this is this is the, the jokers that they don't mind having on their share cap table. So so it's a lot of dialogues, um, but that's just from from having the interactions that we have with uh, the, the ecosystem players, the early stage ecosystem players. Mm. Yeah. I, I want to skip ahead a little bit, Carmen. And, uh, you know, obviously in the Southeast Asian region, uh, if we look at some of the public listed Southeast Asian yeah. unicorns, if we look at Grab and we look at uh, South, here in Southeast Asia, it doesn't always paint a pretty picture. 
A lot of investors who got in uh, at, at certain IPOs are likely sitting on some fairly big losses now. Um, what does this say about the future of Southeast Asian startups and, and venture investment in this particular region? Yeah. So honestly, right, there's quite a number of large tech company stocks that are also trading below their highs in 2022. Yeah. So Grab and C, they are not the only ones. They are just part of the big number of them mm. who were overvalued, right? So at that point in time, I believe their multiples were just too rich. And um, if I may say this, I would just say that investors at that time were also a little bit less discerning. Mm. So, 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 so therefore, somewhere down the line, somebody will have to pay the price. And unfortunately, it's, it's showing itself now where the, the, the market cap of those companies are quite way below what they were during 2022. Having said that, there's more than $3.7 billion of funds within Southeast Asia waiting to be deployed. So, so for sure, capital is not a problem. But what we probably need, and what we actually not just probably, what we need is actually for founders to find a spot of an emerging trend and to execute it like mad or to find a problem statement and to develop a solution that will address it. And we also need founders and investors, so my peers, to exercise lots of discipline in the way they, they value companies so that everybody in the ecosystem stand to benefit, right? Rather than along the way, somebody gets a massive haircut. And in the end, our investors will say, oh, this asset class doesn't work for us. And then we will, we will all suffer, right? The whole ecosystem will suffer. Hmm. Uh, while we're on this note, uh, so Vertex Ventures Southeast Asia raised 541 million US dollars for Fund 5, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and given the current macro environment, the funding landscape, give us a sense of the conversations that we had with investors and yeah. LPs to raise this fund, right? Given the high interest rate environment, for example, and the challenging funding landscape. Mm, yeah, so so um, it's true, the funding landscape is tough, uh, but having said that, I mean, we, ha we are able to raise Fund 5, which is 80% larger than Fund 4, which was raised in 2019, which was when SARS, uh, no, COVID happened, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, despite the, the challenging market, we have been able to raise. So this means that there must be something that we have done correct. And that something that we have done correctly is actually because we have got a strong distribution to paid-in ratio. And, uh, and our investors actually could see money being returned to them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so for investors, uh, LPs, this is just one of the allocation that they will look at. Um, early stage investments is a small pocket. Many of them have shifted to fixed income investments where they just get dividends. But those who are aggressive, and most of them will want to have outsized return, that's when they will allocate to early stage. And when they look at early stage, they will have to look at people who have got some levels of track record. And DPI is one of those indications. So that's why we are very um, blessed, very lucky to have uh, to, to be able to, number one, achieve some returns, and number two, to have them backing us again. So we have investors who have been backing us for a couple of funds. Of course, we also have got new investors uh, at this fund. Mm. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, Carmen, you know, in this environment, and we've, we've briefly touched on it, finding that balance between deploying funds uh, quickly and, and whilst ensuring the quality of the deals made is crucial, right? How do you guys navigate this balance, especially with Fund 5 in mind? Mm. So, so, Actually, when we look at our investment pace, it is not by coincidence that we actually invest about 12 or 13 companies a year. Good times, bad times. Mm. So mm. in 2020, 17, 18, we were doing that number. In 2020 to 2022, when everybody was like investing very quickly after they meet a company, 
we were still doing it at our own pace, uh, 12 to 13 companies a year. We, we suspect this will also be the pace that we will do uh, this, this in this fund. And we are able to do that because we do have quite a strong bench strength. So, so that allows us to have enough time to evaluate deals. We do tell companies right from the get-go, uh, if you're expecting me to close this deal in two weeks, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably need two, three months, if not six sometimes. So, so it's very well-paced. And then we do a lot of uh, uh, understanding the company, um, landscaping their, their proposition, speaking a lot to their users, to their competitors before we make a call. Um, just to follow up a little bit further on that, uh, Carmen, is there anything else that you could tell us about Vertex's approach to risk management when deploying capital uh, as with Fund 5 or with the rest of the funds as well? Mm. Yeah, so so we are actually very high risk, right? Because mm-hmm. we are investing into the early stage series A, series B and C. So as a category, we are already very high risk. However, within this very high risk, how do we then risk diversify? We risk diversify in the geographies we invest in. So we have got about 30-35% in India, 30-35% in Indonesia, given that both of these geographies have got huge local markets. Mm -hmm. Then the rest of the 30-35% will be across the rest of Southeast Asia with Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Taking the, the we suspect we'll be take the bulk of the remaining. That's country. Uh, in terms of sectors, we ha- also have mentioned six sectors that we look at. So again, this is how we think we will diversify across consumer economy, uh, to the enterprises, to fintech, which is an overlay, to healthcare, digital healthcare, sustainability, agritech, and then mobility. So we think we will we will be conscientious of looking at opportunities across geographies, across verticals, and in terms of stages. Probably the bulk will be in Series A, but we will occasionally try to get a quicker return via Series B. But if we have got the appetite, we'll do C. That will that should give us the highest return. Yeah. Carmen, uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Next time you're in town, please do let us know. We'd love to have you over to the office. Thank you. Thank you. I will take you up on that. Thanks a lot, Richard. Thanks, Roshan. Thank Carmen. Um, folks, we were speaking with Carmen Yuan. She's the general partner at Vertex Ventures Southeast A. Asia and India. And she was talking about the recently raised Fund 5, 541 million US dollars in that fund to be deployed in the region and India. Um, Rich, fascinating conversation. Absolutely. Learned a lot. Yes, uh, yes. Some interesting uh, themes at play. I, I, there's a part in that that made me laugh, though. You know, the, the, the human element of, of traveling around and, and raising funds, heading up to Penang, and eating, <laughs> you know, all of the good stuff. Uh, eating with her uh, knives and forks and spoons up there in, in Penang, while the rest of us will be dishing and throwing it in with our with our hands. Uh, great stuff, though. All, all, very, very enlightening stuff. I'm looking forward to meeting Carmen in person when she comes into town. Certainly. And uh, seeing how their portfolios continue to develop. Uh, Folks, if you missed any part of that conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store, Google Play. Uh, Also, our shows are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other major podcast players. Just look up Enterprise Biz Bytes. And this is definitely an episode you're going to want to share with any friends, family, acquaintances that you know in the startup and funding ecosystem. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay after the 1pm news bulletin. 
bulletin. In 2022, Malaysia's halal exports almost reached 60 billion ringgit. And by 2030, the global halal industry is expected to be around $5 trillion. Halal Development Corporation is an agency under the Ministry of Investment, Trade and Industry. And its chairman, Karel Azwan Harod, shares with us the capacity of Malaysia's halal ecosystem and efforts to facilitate and synergies the halal certification process has. I'm Roshan Kennison with Richard Bradbury and this has been Enterprise Biz Bytes. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.